four, Flashpoints at five, the evening news and following the evening news, La Raza Chronicles at 7 p.m. Don't miss that. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school, get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up. Those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys, there's your picture. Drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. My engineers hiring a kite. I gotta watch that. <laughs> Somebody put something in her coffee. Never mind, it's a good thing. We're celebrating. It's the season to celebrate. It is the season of the witch. All that Halloween stuff is over. God bless our first lady and her little, a little, uh, cat outfit, her little Eartha kit furs, and she had little ears sticking up there. The president felt that, um, well, he maintained his gravitas and did not wear a costume, but, um, Michelle Obama passed out the candy and she just did like everybody's mom, you know. Ah. Uh, Oh, Halloween gives me a pain in the never mind. Uh, I love the season. It means that winter is a coming on, you know, and oh, it's my cheerful season. Uh, I love the uh, uh, memento mori, all the deathy stuff, you know. I go and dust the graves. Uh, I have learned that marigolds are the flowers for the dead. You put them there because they're so bright. Put them by the graves and they bring out the spirits. Uh, a lot of people actually have a party in the cemetery, in the graveyard. We used to do that when I was a college girl. Uh, you know, we did some serious drinking at the same time, if I remember correctly. Um we did libations on the graves, uh, like the ancient Romans and Greeks. We wanted to honor the ancestors, very pagan. I think practicing remembrance, uh, well, what is it? It's appropriate for someone of my great age, uh, septuagenarian, am I? Yes, uh, I was making out some medical forms the other day. And they asked me for uh, pre-existing conditions. Yes, pre-existing conditions. You've heard about that, haven't you? I wrote mortality. <laughs> the the, um, uh, the lady who was uh, helping me with the forms, she, she said that that wasn't adequate, that that wouldn't do. And uh, I tried to make up something that would make her happy. But, uh, yes, mortality is a pre-existing condition for all of us. Uh, what I think of always 
is that those who are gone, those who are gone, cannot speak for themselves anymore. What is it Edna Mullay says to the, um, to the gravestone? She says, yes, uh, she says that, oh, she talks about a complaining person who is alive and she, <laughs> she, she speaks from the grave saying, yes, uh, uh, Give me your coat. Get into mine. Right. Uh, actually, uh, I always think of those who who are mute, who cannot speak to us again. Uh, Edna Millay writes in one of her letters, she writes, uh, Read me. Read me. Do not let me die. I always think of that and I feel uh, an obligation to read all those who have gone before. <laughs> yes, <laughs> always. Usually starting with Samuel Beckett, but Dorothy Parker's probably better. Dorothy Parker wrote, Excuse my dust. That was her favorite epigraph. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Emily Dickinson wrote, Called Back. So her last, uh, it was in a letter, one of her last letters, she wrote that she had been called back. You have to think about that one a bit. Gertrude Stein wrote, she wrote, when a Jew dies, he's dead. Uh, Emily Bronte is, of course, my favorite, but that's too sorrowful. I don't want to read Emily Bronte today because the dark cavalier is... Too close, too close to us sometimes. Uh, all my dead dears, the past isn't dead, hell, it isn't even past. The eternal returns, you know how that is. Turn around and everything just washes right up again on another shore. I prefer the river of forgetfulness, you know. So you cross the river sticks and then you go to, I think it's spelled... L-E-T-H-E. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's the the river or the lake of forgetfulness. Uh, anyway, I've got a book of famous last words which I must bring down and read to you because uh, people are crazy about last words. The difficulty is that the minute you the minute <laughs> the minute you pronounce your last words, your epitaph, your eulogy, whatever. You know, unless you keep quiet for the rest of your life, something else is going to slip in. What was it George said? I translate, well, the translation of her last words reads something about um, uh, ecology or green, something roughly on the level of uh, keep off the grass, you know, take care of the earth. Uh, Yeats, the Irish poet Yeats wrote, horsemen pass by. I've never understood that one, because I assume he means one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. And, of course, uh, if the horseman passes by, then he doesn't take Yates. Never mind. If you know why Yates wrote Horseman Passed By, you write and tell me. Anyway, uh, Frida Kahlo, I was watching a film about her life the other day, and I'm not sure whether that's exactly what she said, but according to the film, she said that she hoped that her passing, her death, her demise would be easy, that uh, the going would be gentle, and 
Then she said she hoped never to return. That, of course, uh, is probably the saddest note. I wonder sometimes Mark Twain, in his late age, became quite pessimistic. Uh, one of his, I think one of his last living children died, a daughter died young, and he wrote an essay about, uh, well, he wrote that she had been better off not to have been born in the first place, yes. Better never to have been born. He has a wonderful book called The Mysterious Stranger that uh, I have always admired uh, much more than Mark uh, than Mark Twain's Little Huckleberry Finn books. Uh, the Mysterious Stranger is a book about the devil, and early in the story, there are some young boys playing together. One of them is the devil, or oh, the Bob, whatever. And uh, he says to one of his little friends, he's... Um, uh, they're playing together by the lake, and he asks one of the boys if he wants um, if he wants their friend, a little friend that's playing with them, uh, to have a happy life. And they say yes, of course. And so uh, the devil turns around and lets the boy drown. And they uh, plead with him and ask him why why uh, he wanted this to happen, why he caused this. Death and the devil tells them what the young boy's life would have been had he lived. <laughs> anyway, I think we should have a chance to live long enough to say what we have to say. And I think that the duty of those of us who are still living, still walking and talking, is to um, spit it out, yes. Repeat it everywhere. It was a joke when I was a schoolgirl. Yes, when I'm dead, I hope it may be said her sins were scarlet, but her books were red. Right. <laughs> My favorite is still uh, Langston Hughes. Somewhere there in his uh, collected poems, he writes about his own funeral. He says... If you come to my funeral, be sure and wear red, because there ain't no use in being dead. Um, actually, yes, <laughs> Dorothy Parker writes, If with the literate I am impelled to try an epigram, I never seek to take the credit. We all assume that Oscar said it. <laughs> Oscar Wilde, of course is the, probably the most quotable English writer ever. Uh, well, he was an Irish wit. Um, he uh, had this gay sensibility long before we even knew what a gay sensibility was. Oscar said, There are no ugly loves, nor handsome prisons. I thought of that watching uh, Sean Penn in the movie about Harvey Milk. It's running on cable television. And Sean Penn does an absolutely miraculous job. Uh, it's a, like a transfiguration. He plays this gay character, Harvey Milk, and he... Uh, he just personifies, I mean, talk about a soul. Um, anyway, 
Oscar Wilde's line, There are no ugly loves, nor handsome prisons. See, we have this problem with categories. Yes, folks, we have hardening of the categories. Mm. Oscar also said, The world was my oyster, but I used the wrong fork. (laughs) I guess his most famous line was the one when he was dying. He said, either that wallpaper goes or I do. He said that the aesthetics in America uh, were a problem because we had such ugly wallpaper. (laughs) Anyway... Oscar Wilde and George Bernard Shaw got me through school. I used to put their little phrases at the top of my uh, my uh, themes and school papers, and the teachers thought I was clever. <laughs> they they always think that you're um, smart if you quote things. Uh, besides, that saves them the trouble of reading the whole work. Uh, I like to find something I call the feminine principle. In the quotes, uh, let's see, Annie Sexton wrote that poetry is prayer. That was the first time I allowed myself to use the word prayer and have it make any sense. Uh, of course, we know she does not mean orthodoxy. Uh, she means, yes, that the longing is all that lasts. Virginia Woolf wrote, Poetry must have a mother as well as a father. Later on in her life, Virginia Woolf wrote, It is useless to go to these great men writers for help, no matter how often we go to them for pleasure. (laughs) I have a collection, um, a book of quotations called The New Beacon Book of Quotations comes from Beacon Press, 1996, a second edition. Uh, actually, quotes moi, but I'm not dead yet, so I won't quote Jennifer Stone. I'll quote, let's see, uh, I'll quote George Eliot. My most favorite George Eliot's quote, it's in her 1871 novel, Middlemarch. She wrote, correct English is the slang of prigs. Now, I wrote that on the board once in a class in Oakland. We were discussing or studying or talking about Ebonics or what is called in some circles Black English. A lot of interesting verb forms and The kids understood that it was a class marker and all that good stuff. Uh, They knew that if you say AX instead of ASK, you had um, a lousy chance of getting a job. Whereas the girls, well, some of the young exchange students from uh, the Scandinavian countries, their accents were uh, an asset I I think it is interesting, yes. Correct English is the slang of prigs. Actually, sometimes I enjoy correct English. Uh, Elizabeth Bowen, one of our great poets, she wrote in 1949, Don't you understand that all language is dead currency? How they keep on playing shop with it all the same. 
Yes, it's power, folks. It's what is that somebody said? Uh, they said a language is a dialect with an army. Somebody said, yes, it's all about who's the boss of it, who has all the power. Uh, Iris Murdoch, uh, one of our great writers now, now dead, uh, she wrote about art. She says, art is not cozy and it is not mocked. Art tells the only truth that ultimately matters. It is the light by which human beings can be mended. After art, there is, let me assure you all, nothing. There you go. <laughs> Gertrude Stein said something much the same, right? Uh, Yes, besides language, what is there? Nothing at all. Ah. Back in the 19th century, in 1837, one of my idols, George Sand, over in France, she wrote, she wrote, writing in your journal means that facing your ocean, you are afraid to swim across it, so you attempt to drink it. Drop by drop. <laughs> I remember putting that at the um, head of a journal. And I tried to drink it drop by drop, day by day. Diary means lasting one day. And I always gave it up. I'd last, oh, a week, a month, sometimes even a year or more. But then I needed to synthesize. I don't think... I can stand doing things a day at a time. Indeed. Actually, there's a poem I want to read you because it's about that subject. It's about whether or not it's better to have a short, exciting life uh, or whether it is more fun to live hard and fast. Yes. <laughs> it's in... It's in Archie in Mahidabel, and I just, I just love this poem, but I can't seem to find it. Oh, dear. Well, now there, I've put it away, and I cannot find it. It's all about, uh, yes, it's all about those people, oh, the moth. Yes, it's about a moth, and how it is that the moth, you know, would rather would rather uh, fly into the flames. It's called The Lesson of the Moth. Archie and Mehitable is a book written by a cockroach named Archie. He writes, I was talking to a ma moth the other evening. He was trying to break into an electric light bulb and fry himself on the wires. Why do you fellows pull this stunt, I asked him. Do you do it because it is the conventional thing for moths? Or why, if that had been an uncovered candle instead of an electric light bulb? You know you would now be a small, unsightly cinder. Have you no sense? Plenty of it, he answered. But at times we get tired of using it. We get bored with the routine, crave beauty and excitement. Fire is beautiful and we know that if we get too close it will kill us. But what does that matter? It is better to be happy. 
happy for a moment. Be burned up with beauty than to live a long time and be bored all the while. So we ward all our life up into one little roll, and then we shoot the roll. That is what life is for. It is better to be a part of beauty for one instant, and then cease to exist than to exist forever and never be a part of beauty. Our attitude toward life is come easy, go easy. We are like human beings used to be before they became too civilized to enjoy themselves. Before I could argue him out of his philosophy, he went and immolated himself on a patent cigar lighter. I do not agree with him myself. I would rather have half the happiness and twice the longevity, but at the same time, I wish there was something I wanted as badly <coughs> as he wanted to fry himself. <laughs> Archie. Oh, yes. <laughs> Archie's so funny. He keeps writing about the fact that people wonder how he operates the typewriter, how he can reach the uh, reach the capital letters and things. He says the main question is whether my stuff is literature or not. <laughs> Let me read you one, one more Archie and Mehitable poem before I go back to the heavy stuff. This is called Archie is Shocked. Speaking of shocking things, as so many people are these days, I noted an incident in a subway train recently that made my blood run cold. A dignified-looking gentleman with a long brown beard, in an absent-minded manner, suddenly reached up and pulled his own left eye from the socket and ate it. Consternation in the car may be imagined. People drew away from him on all sides. Women screamed and fainted. In a moment, everyone but the guard and myself were huddled in the end of the car, looking at the dignified gentleman with terror. The guard was sweating with excitement, but he stood his ground. Sir, said the guard, you cannot intimidate me, nor can you mystify me. I am a wise boy, and you, sir, are a glass eater. That was a glass eye. To the devil with a country where people can't mind their own business, said the dignified gentleman. I am not a glass eater. If you must know, that was not a glass eye. It was a pickled onion. Cannot a man eat pickled onions in this community without exciting remarks? The curse of this nation is the number of meddlesome matties who are forever attempting to restrict the liberty of the individual. I suppose the next thing will be a law on the statute books prohibiting the consumption of pickled onions. And with another curse, he passed from the train, which had just then drawn up beside a station, and went out of my life forever. <laughs> another time I want to read you more about Archie and Mehitable, because their philosophy seems to me very appropriate for our age. Yes. 
it's so interesting, yes. The wisdom of those who have gone before, those who have passed from us, yes. Stevie Smith, back in 1957, yes, she defined my life, 1957, she wrote. I was too much, too much, I was much too far out all my life and not waving but drowning. Oh, yes. Tony Morrison tells us that word work is sublime. Emma Goldman, back in 1910, writes in an essay called Anarchism, The most disheartening tendency common among readers is to tear out one sentence from a work as a criterion of the writer's ideas or personality. She goes on to talk about the difficulty of understanding, you know that story about the elephant, if you only see the trunk or the foot, how you don't get the whole picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. However, Dorothy Sayers writes, I always have a quotation for everything. Saves original thinking. <laughs> Here is a wonderful line from uh, Rosario Morales. 1983. Book is called We're All in the Same Boat. And she wrote, Oh, we are all racist. We are all sexist. Some of us, only some of us, are the targets of racism, of sexism, of homophobia, of class denigration, but we all, all breathe in racism with the dust in the trees, with the words we read. We struggle, those of us who struggle, we struggle endlessly, endlessly to think and be and act differently from all that. <laughs> yes. As the Supremes put it in 1986, yes. We is terrific. Uh, of course, the remembrance of things past, the honoring of the dead, and uh, of all the things they tell us, brings us around to rebirthing. Time worships language. The older it gets, yes, I was reading Sappho last night. She has a great deal to tell us about the 21st century. <laughs> Gertrude Stein wrote... Uh, a book, the title of her book was The World is Round, and she says, if you go around one more time, <laughs> you can meet yourself. Stein wrote, once upon a time, I met myself and ran. T.S. Eliot wrote, we shall return at last to the place where we started and know it for the first time. Time and the bell have buried the day. I have about 18 more poems here, none of which I have time to read. Oh dear, I sat up all night picking out my favorite 
favorite, favorite analects, we call them, analecta. And I don't have time, yes. Oh, western wind, when wilt thou blow that the small rain down can rain? Christ, that my love were in my arms and I in my bed again. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Light them up, boys, there's your picture. Drop the shadows out of Grace North Church in Berkeley invites you to a green funeral fair on Saturday, November 7th, 11 to 4. Decorate eco-coffins, make masks, wreaths, and memory labels. There are two $150 prizes for best funeral hats. Entertainment sponsored by Berkeley Patients Group provided by The Threshold Choir, John Schott, Renee Brown-Gagliartes, Steve Taylor-Ramirez, and Tete Rockwell. Exhibitors include the Bay Area Funeral Society, the Mitford Institute, Kin Caracal Burial Shrouds, Castle in the Air, Textile Repair Studio, and the Hat Library. The fair is on Saturday, November 7th at 2138 Cedar Street, Berkeley. Suggested donation, $10. Youth, 16 and under, free. This is a benefit for